0: Today we are going to turn to a short verse in the book of Philippians, but at least for those of you who are believers in Christ, a very well-known verse. We know that Paul the Apostle is perhaps the greatest Christian to have ever lived. His contribution to the Christian church is unparalleled for We find him as the author of most of the New Testament books. He is the church's philosopher and theologian, having received his education from the master himself. But even though Paul was such a great man, and though he accomplished or allowed God to accomplish a great deal in the world through him, and though his contributions were immense... To the church, he was still a very humble person, a person who had perspective as to who he was and to whom he belonged. Oftentimes, you come across many of his writings and you're impacted by very short statements he makes that are extremely profound. If understood, they are life-changing, really. And many of these passages are a window into the life of who I deem to be the greatest Christian to have ever lived. The passage that we're going to look at today is found in Philippians chapter 1 and we are going to read a single verse, verse 21, and we're going to attempt to answer a question today. The passage says this, for to me To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Thus the title of this message, To Live is Christ. What did Paul mean when he said that? What was going through his mind? How was he defining that statement as he penned those words? And why were they shared with us why did he include or why did the holy spirit see fit to include that short statement in the word of god i believe that they're included in the word of god because as it was for paul so should our attitude be as his was what led paul what leads others to so utterly change directions for you remember that previous to him being called Paul he was Saul of Tarsus and though he was devoted to Jehovah because he had not yet accepted the Lord Jesus as his master Messiah and Savior he was going around persecuting that Messiah and all who believed in him, even to the point in, in that he was involved in the killing of Christians. What led Paul to so utterly change directions? What led Paul to so utterly change his mind, his attitude, his heart, his lifestyle, his worldview. You see, if we grasp the truth that is being communicated to us here, that truth should have the same result in our lives as Christians. If we, as Paul did, meet Jesus and give Jesus our hearts, our lives ought to be changed as Paul's was the direction we were going to should no longer be the direction we go for we have met jesus our way of thinking our attitude our passions and desires our world view changes by the simple fact that listen when you come to christ you have met the almighty And how do you meet the Almighty without it changing you forever from the inside out? That's why Paul includes statements like this in his letters. They are a window into what it is that caused Paul to change and become the powerhouse that he became as the great apostle. As the great missionary and as the great philosopher and theologian of the church, let us not miss the fact, beloved, that we have been given as believers a second chance to experience real life. The kind of life that Paul talks about and alludes to in his letters, the kind of life that he himself experienced after coming face-to-face with the Lord of glory, with the all-powerful, all-knowing, magnificent, awesome, good God, the Lord Jesus. We have been given a second chance here and now to experience life, as well as eternal life with Him forever. Though he gets the glory, for God is good, though he gets the glory, do we understand the awesome blessing? Let me ask you something, believer in the Lord Jesus. Do you understand, as Paul did, the awesome blessing and privilege and honor that it is? to be rightly related to Christ. Do you understand what it means to be one who bears his name, christ Let's answer the question of what it is to live as Christ. What did Paul mean? Well, we're going to look at five different points I want to make. It's certainly not an exhausting exhaustive list for there's more that could be included and truly the message could last into a whole series, but we only have so much time this morning. The first thing that I know it meant to Paul, it was that it meant that it was a life of obedience. When Paul says, for me to live is Christ, he was saying that for me to live is to live a life of obedience. In John chapter 14 and verse 21, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. There is no equivocation here, my friends. If you claim to love the Lord Jesus, if you claim to live for Christ as Paul did, then you ought not have to say anything, simply prove it by the fact that you obey His commands and thus prove your love to the Lord Jesus. He continues on and says he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself for him Listen the desire Of a person Who has met? the Almighty God and Who has given his heart to the Lord Jesus because of what the Lord Jesus has done for him that person is thus filled with a passion and a desire to obey his master because he loves his master. He doesn't obey Christ because he has to, he obeys Christ because he wants to. He obeys Christ because he loves Christ, for Christ gave everything for him. Paul was an obedient disciple and follower of Jesus because he understood who Christ was and he understood to the best of his ability what Christ had done for him. Do you, believer, understand who Christ is and what he's done for you? Do you understand, believer, that if If it were not by the grace of God, you would go to hell forever. Do you understand, believer, that the one who was crucified on that cross was God himself? We don't obey Christ because we have to. We obey Christ because we want to. That is our all-consuming Passion, And if you claim to be a Christian and that is not your all-consuming passion, there's a problem. And I would advise you to do what Paul advises all of us to do. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Do you wake up every morning and say to yourself, For me to live is Christ. or do you not? In 1 John 2, 3, it says we know, listen, we know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. Doing is the evidence Obedience is the evidence. Talk is cheap, folks, particularly in today's day and age. Talk is cheap. Live your life as one whose passion is Jesus. Preach to the entire world, evangelize the world you live in by being obedient to the Lord Jesus, talk is cheap, earn the right to speak verbally to others because you have lived that which you communicate verbally. What else was Paul alluding to when he said for me to live is Christ? I'll tell you what else he was alluding to. He was saying to us, in essence, that for him to live is Christ, means it's a life of service. You know how selfish Christians are? And what I have trouble understanding is why. The very fact that you can breathe is a gift of God. And if you, are, if you claim to be a Christian, but do not use your time and talents and resources to further the cause of Christ, if you are not committed to the service of the kingdom, what are you doing? Christ must not be the reason for which you live. What a privilege, folks. To be able to say, I am in the service of the Lord. And I don't serve out of compulsion. I serve because I have a burden to see others receive the benefits and the blessings that are now mine. Because somebody else decided they would serve the Lord and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. Don't be selfish, Christian. Don't be lazy, Christian. The Christian life is a life of service all the time. Oh, what an incredible privilege and honor. Take every moment you're given in life and see how you can cease that moment by serving Him, by bringing Him glory. Listen, you are a child of the king if you have come to faith in Christ. Now he's equipped you with unique gifts. And believe me, every believer has at least one, if not more, gifts. You have been equipped thoroughly to exercise certain gifts in the church and where you live, and in the sphere of influence that God has placed you in, so that you might serve not only Christ, but those around you. Are you serving Christ? Paul says in his first epistle to the Corinthian church, he says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some." His life was a life of service to the master and to all who were were around him. And he would become whatever he needed to be in order to reach a single soul for Jesus. Do you know that if you are a Christian, you possess and have the obligation to share the greatest truth and the greatest gift ever made available to man, salvation in Christ? Do you understand that millions upon millions of people who don't know Jesus and die go to hell forever? If you claim to live for Christ, your life will be a life of service, both to your master, your king, and to people around you. It is also a life of power. Listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We as believers in the Lord Jesus are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have literally God living in us. And if we are willing to live our lives in the middle of God's will, if we are living, if we are willing to submit and surrender ourselves to the almighty God, the power of God within you can accomplish the absolute impossible. It's not the power that you muster up yourself. It is the power that is exerted by God through a yielded and surrendered life. If you have faith, which by the way is the medium of exchange in heaven, if you come with faith, God has promised to exert the power required to move a mountain for you. God is in the business of performing miracles in the lives of people, but He needs the servants who are willing to truly show that for them to live as Christ so that He might exert that power and change the world around you. For to me to live if, uh, is Christ means that I live a life of power. I yield to the Almighty. It, he becomes more and I become less. You remember the statement that Paul made in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have died. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Oh, what? power. You have. Paul said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know that that's true for you as well, right, believer? Oh, beloved. I'm not saying that you can do whatever you want for your own glory. What I am saying and what Paul is saying is that as long as you're surrendered to the will of God and you're submitted to His Lordship and you're surrendering yourself to the Holy Spirit, He will give you the power necessary to do all those things that are in accordance to the will of God. Paul tells us elsewhere that God has created good works for us to do. And some of those good works require the power of God because they are miraculous in nature. They are things that in and of ourselves we would not be able to do. But God is waiting for those who really live for Christ to make themselves available so that he can exert power and accomplish all things through those who surrender to the Lord Jesus. When was the last time God moved a mountain on your behalf? If you can't remember, why? Are you really living for Christ? Or is it a pretend game for you? Listen, if you're a Christian, your life is is the evidence of that, how you live, your attitude, your behavior, your language, it's a life of power. It's also a life of sacrifice. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus laid it all on the line for you and me. And so did the disciples and the apostles. And so have the martyrs of the Christian faith throughout the Christian, the church's history. It's a life of sacrifice. And lastly, I wanna say this, it's a life of separation. In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Bela- what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. It is a life of separation. It doesn't mean I go stick my head in the sand. It means I live in the world, but I don't allow the world to come in me. I influence the world. The world doesn't influence me. Listen, if you claim to live for Christ, are you living a life of obedience? Are you in service for the king? Are you, is your life filled with power? Is God performing miracles in and through your life? Are you living sacrificially as he gave his life for you? And are you living a life of separation where you influence the world rather than the world influencing you? Listen, the time for talk is over. The time for talk is over. It is time for us to prove to the world that God is good and that if we are willing to come to Him by faith, He will change us forever and use us for His own glory and for the sake of those who need to come to faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for who you are, for what you have done. May indeed what Paul say be true of us when he said, for me to live is Christ. You are or should be our consuming passion and desire. May it so be true. We thank you and praise you for it is in your precious name that we pray, amen.